Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Time now for the College Football Inquirer with Dan Wetzel. I'm wondering when the worm turns here on Scott Frost. Pete Thimmel! You know what college football is? It's a goofball like Will Levis just like <laughs> slamming a banana with a peel on. Like that's that's actually why we do this. With SI's Pat Forty. Scott Frost stepping on a rake and hitting himself in the face with it yet again. <laughs> Here's Pat, Pete, and Dan. I welcome the pod. A little over a week to go, gentlemen. Week zero. Coke zero. <laughs> Five games will be played next Saturday night, a week from Saturday, depending when you're hearing this. Nebraska, Illinois, Connecticut, Fresno, and a backyard brawl. (laughs) (laughs) Hawaii, UCLA, UTEP, New Mexico State, which is a backyard brawl. That is. Yeah. And uh, Southern Utah, San Jose State. It's only 3,041 miles from UConn to Fresno. Ah, there you go. You're going to do the, the the coin flip at the UTEP game, Dan, and then chug some of the New Mexico State whiskey that Mario Mosho was supposed I mean, to send? Nobody asked, but I mean, nobody asked. But uh, I'm not going to just rudely show up and presume. <laughs> well, I think I you should. Think that, I've heard worse ideas. I've heard worse ideas. I'm here to do the torn toss. What? <laughs> I'm, I, I, hand me that money there. Okay. <laughs> Let me tell you something. You get to West Texas, you just take a guy's uh, quarter, you, you get shot. That's right. Better bring your yeah. own quarter. Yeah, you don't You don't just walk up and take someone's money. Sir, sir, we need to know it's heads or tails before you take the, before you take the coin. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Make sure UTEP wins it. Be one thing they can win this year. <laughs> anyway, the the uh, plays perfectly that we're going to get uh, Cornhuskers in the uh, the opener. They should be well prepared since they apparently were practicing <laughs> all through COVID. <laughs> Brett McMurphy of the Action Network now. Nebraska has acknowledged the NCAA is looking into its football program. Cornhusker staff allegedly improperly used analysts and consultants with the knowledge of Coach Scott Frost and moved workouts off campus last year when such activities were banned during the pandemic. They have significant video footage confirming the practice violations occurred in the presence of Frost and other assistants. The the analysts are, you know, they got all these extra coaches uh, hanging around. They're only allowed to do certain things. They're not allowed to speak to the players, but apparently they were. And then uh, the big one was when the NCAA said no organized workouts due to COVID 
pandemic during the whole thing, uh, Nebraska uh, relocated its strength workouts to an undisclosed off-campus location to avoid detection at the direction of NU's strength and conditioning staff. Planet Fitness, Lincoln. The undisclosed, I don't know where it was. I love it. Although in Nebraska, they may just have like like silos that go down into the ground. Where you, <laughs> Massive you underground weights. weight set up. Just yeah. huge men. Yeah. Intriguing to me is Scott Frost's uh, quote to reporters. Everything we did through COVID was in the best interest and health of our players was uh, in mind. And everything we did was approved by athletic department administration and campus administration. Now they got a new AD, but Frost is basically like, yeah, nobody here cared. So I went right along with it. Pat thoughts on the, uh, the never dull Cornhuskers. It's amazing. You can be terrible and never dull. Uh, and that's what Nebraska football is. It, it, it is uh, remarkable that they keep finding themselves into our podcast, insinuating themselves into the pod. And this one, they, you, clearly, there was no denial from Scott Frost there. So, yeah, we were acting in the best health and interest of our players, and it was all approved. I do know the NCAA and its members' institutions took great umbrage at schools that were going around the pandemic rules. Uh, like that was one of those things that pissed off a lot of people when when those sort of things started to come out. And John Duncan, early in the pandemic, I wrote a story about it. I got the quote somewhere where Duncan said, "Yeah, people are in, people are recruiting, people are doing workouts, and we're going after them." So this this was something that I think in the spring of 2020 was pretty front burner with NCAA enforcement. Uh, and if you look, there are in multiple cases where things have happened with this. We got Nebraska football. Texas A&M has a basketball case that's been ongoing that was related to them doing workouts during the lockdown. LSU fired an offensive line coach. Nobody has said exactly why, but there's a belief that that was involved involved with recruiting when you're not supposed to be recruiting during the lockdown. I'm misplacing a fourth example, but there's there's a number of examples out there of people taking these things, uh, reacting very strongly to them. So this is Scott Frost stepping on a rake and hitting himself in the face with it yet again. <laughs> I mean, the guy has done one thing at, at, Scott, at Nebraska so far, and that's screw up. Uh, that's, that's it. He hadn't done anything well, and he's found himself, and, and, and the whole school and the whole athletic department has found themselves into one controversy after another. This is not helping his job security. Let's put it that way. Now, you know, maybe Trev Alberts is going to, rally around him. Maybe they go eight and four and they say, we don't care about anything else, but, but this is a bad way to start a very important season for him. Pat, you're just always so nakedly angling to speak to the Husker touchdown club to get 500 bucks in a free steak. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think what, what has struck me uh, about Scott Frost and in, in Nebraska in this is uh, perhaps it, it is not a surprise that this arose. This was the buzz around the big 10 during all of uh, COVID. Yes, Scott it was. Frost was the most dismissive of uh, of the virus and didn't really hide around the Big Ten that that they were going to flout the rules and just keep on uh, keep on training. So this is this was one of those things that was kind of openly spoken about and understood. Uh, props to the Action Network for finding it out and uh, the NCA for enforcing. But again, you distill this to its essence. You just like you distill Arizona State. And what they're going through with Herm Edwards and his staff to its essence, there's just an element of brazenness and stupidity to it that, that has you get caught. At Arizona State, the tight ends coach at the time 
took a tight end recruit who's in town on an illegal visit to a park, videotaped him doing a workout, and then the whole staff watched the illegally videotaped workout. In the annals of stupid things college football staffs have done, that's fairly high. And if you're Scott Frost and you're having these illegal workouts, you probably should not have video evidence of them. So just right there, Scott Frost's buyout from the math I did the other day, I believe is $20 million. The last two years of his $5 million deal aren't fully guaranteed from my understanding of the contract. We know all buyouts are negotiation points uh, at this point. And I I think it was telling, there was a great scene in the athletic column uh, about this, where they basically said, Trev Alberts and Scott Frost, Scott Frost pulled a very unwilling and pouty Scott Frost out in front of the media. And he looked like basically like there was a great line in the athletic story. He looked like uh, an embarrassed teenager had to go apologize to the neighbor for toilet papering his house. So (laughs) this was not like we're about ethics. We're about the right things. This was about like we were trying to win and we got caught and I had permission. Kind of sounds like he's setting up. I mean, look, if you have NCAA violations, it can it can void your contract pretty quick. Sure. Uh, there's so, there, I have not looked at Scott Frost's contract, but those, you know, will have some clause, but it's almost like he's already setting up the, uh, it was all approved, pay me my money bit. True. You know, I mean, he's, he, the question here to me is, is how high up does it go? Because, you know, we talked, I don't know, a podcast or two about how, you know, the NCAA doesn't really have anything to do with the, with Baylor or, you know, some of the, the huge, uh, you know, the criminal, conduct that I think that goes on that shocks and, and kind of angers people of saying, you know, this is this is wrong. And then you get to this stuff and people kind of go, well, it's just uh, some guys lifting weights. Well, this is actually what the NCAA should be enforcing. Can't have extra practices in the NFL. You can't have extra. I mean, like, there has to be that that that's the, where the level playing field should be. And if everyone's supposed to follow the COVID protocols, that means everybody. Uh, the idea that like Nebraska's administration didn't care, I think would be of incredible interest to the rest of the Big Ten, at least, if not everyone else, because it's like, we all know that there's, the you could, I mean, Scott Frost, I don't know, he didn't care about COVID, he didn't care about anything last year. He was clear about that. Yes. Um, but that's why you, he's not the president of the university, the chancellor of the university. He's not the athletic director. So how high does this go? That's actually what could be, pretty interesting and you know i mean i don't i don't know what the penalties would be on stuff like this but this is the stuff that you need a central organizing thing to sort out this is actually in the purview of the nca even if you go hey some guys were lifting weights who really cares well they weren't supposed to so that's that's the rule so going to be interesting how high this goes up you think they should put that uh that organization body in indianapolis stand maybe down the street from like st elmo's and the slippery noodle yeah, they got five grand coming to them. <laughs> There's going to be a five thousand dollar. I don't know what I don't know what the penalty will be, but there will be a five thousand dollar fine. You think they like ring a bell at the noodle when one of these stories breaks with the uh, when an investigation coming. starts? Like they're they're, they're really the problem big. is it takes like five years to you well, know. Yeah, that's like the question. 20, How long does it take? We're going to have a good night. There. Can the noodle circle the date on the calendar? Six months from now, we're going to get the money. You know, or whenever uh, this, this one's a long way from now, but. But I think, Dan, to your point, I think it's worth noting, Bill Moose's retirement somewhat came out of nowhere. I mean, he was certainly of retirement age, but he retired this summer. I think it was in June. And uh, he had said that he, like, 
I think within the last year had said that he had every intention of fulfilling his contract, which was through the end of 2022. So Scott Frost may know what he's talking about there in terms of, I mean, Bill Moose may have been shoved and this might've had something to do with it. Uh, if, if this has been, this investigation has been ongoing for a while. Out of pure muscle memory and habit, Nebraska may not even be savvy enough to actually not pay the people who have broken the rules and leaving. I mean, they paid, I believe there was that great story <laughs> we, we, we talked about last year on the pod. They paid something like $28 million over the last 50, over the prior 15 years in, in buyout money. So maybe it's just so reflexive at this point. They're like, hey, Bill Moose, here's three million bucks. I mean, you were a really good guy. You know, you, yeah. you dragged our football and basketball programs to even further depth. Scott, you just, you just take, oh, it's only three million. You can you can take that. The, the story is about Bill Moose's, Bill Moose's retirement. Yeah, I got a story from the uh, Lincoln Journal Star Up that basically says Bill Moose indicated his retirement was not entirely his choice. The money trail tells the same story. He's going to be paid nearly three million dollars to leave it. So Bill Moose, basically his tenure at Nebraska was an abject failure and he got $3 million to go away. You would think if Bill Moose was in charge and if he had anything to do with this and if they knew about it, they would have hesitated before agreeing to pay him the, uh, the three, uh, the $3 million. And Scott Frost is $20 million. It, it could get really ugly. I mean, Scott Frost is an iconic Husker. 20 million is 20 million, man. Like you're not you're not giving away twenty million bucks for the for the good of the school and for Johnny Husker and the tradition and and, and all that stuff. So, and I, I think uh, we all know Scott Frost a little bit. He is a defiantly stubborn man. I think I would I think that would be the uh, the best way to say. It. Basically, the image of Scott Frost being pouty McPouty having to go confront his actions is the least surprising thing I've ever heard. I, I once heard Scott Frost at media day curse out a media member when he was Oregon's receivers coach. Usually at media day, you, you have to be like ready for questions from the media. Oregon had a couple of guys suspended for uh, smoking weed before the national title game against Ohio State. It's Scott Frost just completely dressed down some guy asking about the uh, the receivers and their decision making in a manner that I remember like viscerally cringing when I was when I was there. So he is uh, he is not a ray of sunshine. And when he is back to the wall, I don't think Scott Frost is going to acquiesce. That is not in his uh, DNA. So this will be an ongoing saga in in many, many different ways. Big year. Yeah. No, he's he's absolutely defiantly stubborn is is probably maybe even putting it mildly. <laughs> he can be a very prickly, arrogant kind of guy. But, you know, here's the another thing, though, too. Universities tape everything now, and I don't know exactly why, but this is what taping your own practices gets for you. It, it got Mike Rice fired for throwing basketballs at his players, and good for that at Rutgers. <laughs> but it also gets you caught red-handed with having uh, analysts or GAs doing things they weren't supposed to do. Who gets to Indianapolis first, Nebraska football or the slippery noodle money? Mm, I, I'd go with the noodle money. Yeah. yeah. The West is good now. You know, when when Nebraska got yeah. in into the Big Ten, the West was a little bit flotsam and jetsamy. But look at what Northwestern's done. Look at where Minnesota is right now. Wisconsin's in a really good place as a program. They got a lot of Iowa. traffic in front of them. Yeah, Iowa's awesome. Iowa has a winning record every year. surprised if Iowa wins the West. Well, not right? be surprised yeah. at all. Nope. They, are, they are. Iowa is consistently Iowa. They, they There are no down years uh, at Iowa uh, in the last decade or so under Kirk Ferentz. So, yeah, they've got, a, they've got a lot of traffic in front of them. And, and really right now, if you're a Nebraska fan, you are 9-17 and 17 in the Big Ten with Scott Frost. You are 12-20 and 20 overall. And I'm sure you can, like, craft hope, you know, in preseason. But, boy, I don't feel a lot of hope there. 
week from Saturday, the game takes on even more meaning when they travel to Illinois. Have fun walking in from the parking lot, Pat, so you know all your Husker fan friends. <laughs> Will Bond. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there was also the, the note in the McMurphy story that Frost was interested in dropping this year's game against Oklahoma. Uh, which is the 50th anniversary of the 1971 game of the century. I just didn't want to play Oklahoma for, and for competitive reasons. He was, but he was saying, uh, and when you know their home game, it's better for recruiting, whatever. Like you're four years in one home yeah. day. Yeah. You're recruiting better be going a little better. If you're four years in at 6 million a year and you're trying to duck a rivalry game like that, that that's a pretty bad sign of where your program stands. So Nebraska fans uh, and and I know this is almost cliche, but they, I mean, they really are some this this incredible group of fans, right? They fill a game, they fill, they show up, they they're happy, they they let balloons off, they they cheer the other team, like they're famously. Yeah, <laughs> they cheer. We we can discuss that, but go ahead. Okay. Well, they, <laughs> that's like on the list. My of email fandoms. inbox says otherwise. <laughs> oh, the, oh, they'll they'll rip you. Oh well, they'll, they'll rip you. Us. Can finish your point, and I'll I'll. Okay. I'll I would say they uh, they they they're lo- I, I'm wondering when the worm turns here on Scott Frost because in the end they're a little more like loyal to their coach than maybe most and I just wonder like at what point I don't know whether it's the, some some of them are going to be you know troubled by the end say some won't but how many sit there and go what do you mean we're ducking Oklahoma like are we really just like we don't want to play it. Like, shouldn't the coach and, and how how the hell does the team feel when you're reading about how the coach doesn't want to play Oklahoma and you got to play Oklahoma in a few weeks? Like, it just, <laughs> good. Yeah. I don't know. Go ahead, Pat. Yeah, you can, you can make we can yell at the Husker fans. I was trying to be nice. <laughs> this is what I get. Well, I wonder, too. I mean, look, they are incredibly loyal. They're unbelievably loyal fans. They have that really long sellout streak that I think some people have been wondering whether it will continue this year. But. You know, they, I mean, they're among the best fans in the history of college football in terms of backing their team. Uh, reputation that they are so classy and respectful of the visiting team. Eh, as long as they're beating the visiting team, that's the case. And I was there when I was in school and I watched them, you know, applauding Missouri for coming off the field after they beat Missouri 48 to 15. Good job, Missouri. Good luck the rest of the year. And then I remember being at home and watching over Thanksgiving when Oklahoma went in there and beat them, and Keith Jackson, the tight end, was great, you know, and, and Oklahoma's strutting off the field. And guess what? There's stuff coming out of the stands at the Sooners because the Sooners beat them. So it's a little bit selective about exactly how magnanimous they are to the opposing team. I, uh, I give them credit for keeping showing up. The, the product has not yeah. dictated the loyalty and they have maintained the loyalty. So I give them credit for that. I think a lot of them probably hate listening to our podcast. So I appreciate that about them too. But um, yeah, they're a good, they're a really good fan base. I, I wish, and it's better for college football if Nebraska is good and relevant. They, they have certainly been patient as they have churned through some uh, really bad hires and forgettable errors. I mean, they've had, if you have to do a combination of bad AD hires and bad coaching hires there, it, it, it's been the, the the incompetence and ineptitude when you look at the buyout money has been a pretty fantastic uh, combination there in Lincoln. All right. Speaking of Oklahoma, BetMGM says Sooners are now the, the betting favorite. They are plus 800 right now to win their first title. They have received 23.2% of the money has come in. 
They have the most money. Let's put it that way. Not the favorite. They have the most money bet on them at plus 800. Alabama is plus 260. They have 19.5%. If you put Georgia is uh, gone from plus 600 to plus 800 after the injuries to Tyke Smith, their defensive back, and uh, tight end Darnell Washington. My uh, One of my favorites, Eric Gilbert. Tight end is not. He is uh, taking some time off. George Pickens, of course, the wide receiver, was injured last year. They, as Sully likes to point out, they have a very uh, thin and unproven receiving course. I don't know who's catching these passes. So they have dropped back. Georgia has received 17.3% of the money. And then Ohio State at plus 600 has received 8.5% of the money, 7% of the bets. Thoughts on OU? Everyone running OU. The value pick here? You really think Oklahoma can do this, or is it just the value? Uh, well, first of all, that that's a, this moment is a small triumph for Sully because he finally got our dis- the discussion of the Georgia receiving core on the pod. He's been yes. lobbying <laughs> Dan uh, for for months to discuss this, and now we have. So there you go. Sully has planted his flag there. Big moment. As for Oklahoma, I mean, you look at the schedule, and they probably have the best road to get to the playoff. What they do when they get to the playoff is the next big thing. You know, their their non-conference schedule is Tulane, Western Carolina, and Nebraska. 3-0, and right? Unless something goes completely wrong. Uh, then conference play, it looks to me like there are two teams well ahead of everyone else in that conference, and that's them and Iowa State. Iowa State has to come to Norman. Now, Iowa State has won there before, and I, the, Iowa State beat them last. They split last year. Still, it sets up well. They've got to beat Kansas State, which for some reason has been an inexplicable problem for them the past two years. But I'm going to bet that it's not a problem this year, that they can beat Kansas State. Uh, Texas in Dallas, you know, big game on paper. We'll see if it's a big game in person. Texas generally rises to that occasion and plays really well. But we'll see about that. I I mean, if you're looking at a schedule where you're just going to say, yep, 12-0 and is very much right there in front of them. Oklahoma is it. Now, they've got to get to the playoff and not get trampled. The last two times they've been there, we were utterly em- embarrassed by LSU, and then they were run off the field by Alabama. So, And then they, they lost the time before that to Georgia in a great game in double overtime. They've got to get there and then be able to beat a quality SEC or Big Ten team or Clemson. So they, the, the proof will be in the pudding at the end for them. First of all, I, I want to congratulate Sully on getting the Georgia receiver conversation onto the podcast. I, I, I assume he hasn't been this excited since Tennessee was up at halftime against Georgia. Um, <laughs> I don't know if we, we were able to get him a banner to hang for that. But Sully, <laughs> Sully I hope you have that same adrenaline surge uh, coursing through your body right now. So it's quite, <laughs> quite the 15 minutes. Yes. <laughs> As for as for Oklahoma, they are what you'd call in uh, horse racing the value play right now. They are not the favorite, but that's where the money is uh, going because people see they can get a little uh, they can stretch their money a little bit. And and I respect that. I I certainly uh, appreciate Pat's point about the non-conference schedule. So I obviously am really in on Lincoln Riley. I'm in on the offense. I am not ready to coronate Spencer Rattler yet. I just he's excellent. All right. He's very good. But just assuming he's going to be the Heisman winner and the number one pick, I just need to see a, a little bit more from him. The, the weapons are there. The, the case for Oklahoma for me starts with the uh, defense. Uh, you look at what they have back and what they've brought in, and this is the best Oklahoma defense personnel-wise since Bob Stoops was there. 
Alex Grinch now entering year three. He did not have a lot to work with. Uh, he's completely reset and rebuilt the culture there. Grinch is sort of a, a straightforward, square chin, look ahead guy. And I really feel like he has had a, a slow, gradual impact that will really truly be felt this year. I, I shouldn't say slow, but it it was turning a battleship there. The defense was was, it was horrible. Nick Benito, the uh, redshirt junior defensive end, uh, pass rush specialist, is a guy that NFL really likes, and he's going to be the, uh, the the face of that defense. Pat Fields is kind of your stately captain. Um, he's been obviously on a lot of the NCAA committees uh, that, that that go around and set the rules, and he, he's been a, a great voice for that program uh, there. I, I I am optimistic about Oklahoma, but I do think there has been a consistent letdown in, in the regular season this year. And can they afford one this season and still make the playoff? I, I think that's the, uh, that that's the question because beating Kansas state has been a problem. Beating Iowa state has been a problem and they're going to have to likely beat Iowa state twice, right? That's our, uh, that, that is our Ames tap water uh, theory. Yeah. That, I mean, that's, that's the working premise there. And uh, when I predicted last year after the bowl, you can go back and listen on the pod that the, the Oklahoma, hype train would go off they would win the offseason i had it right away i did, <laughs> did not think 23 percent of the money would be on oklahoma yeah uh, you, you on, did call that ongoing saga will levis kentucky football uh, quarterback we have updates he's uh, he's clearly uh my favorite player right now preseason heisman favorite for me <laughs> in his uh very funny guy He's clearly got some personality to him. See whether he can play. In his uh, Kentucky bio, uh, he listed that his career goal was to uh, be a stay-at-home dad married to a wife that makes six figures. <laughs> I mean, why stop at six? Why not go to seven? Yeah, right. You know, don't don't sell it short. Go for seven. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's Kentucky. He's Kentucky. It's like you don't sit there and say, well, goal is to win the night. It's like, we want to go to a good bowl game. <laughs> his video of him eating the banana with the peel on has gone everywhere it is truly everywhere. viral if you missed it somehow he took a, a rotting banana very very browned up banana uh that he said it was at his girlfriend's house and uh he decided to film it to get some content out there got to get the content <laughs> and uh made a tiktok of him eating the banana peel on he basically eats it like a Snickers bar. He just <laughs> chomps down and it's gone. So now he's tweeting back and forth with Chiquita Banana. So I also <laughs> predict Chiquita is no longer in Cincinnati, by the way. I heard it would move to Carolina yeah. for tax break purposes. Some bitter Ohioan was upset about that. Uh, probably lost his job at Chiquita. So sorry about that. Former Chiquita Banana employee who listens to the pod. He also put this out there. Four fruits you can and should eat from skin to pit. We're doing it wrong, according to Will Levis, Pat. We are doing it wrong by just eating the parts of the fruit that normally you would think. Like, I'm going to peel the banana and then eat the ban the inside. Are What's you ready you for the four? Yeah, I'm, I'm, you... I can't wait to hear. Okay. The banana. That's one. Yeah. Okay. Uh, by eating the peel, you get an additional 78 milligrams of potassium. Mm. okay okay is your potassium low or either of you two need some potassium Actually, you know it's funny i went and swam yesterday with brooke and i cramped in my right leg and she said you need more potassium so we have a need, solution need a peel. 
Will Levis himself. You're right there in Kentucky. Follow the yeah. leader of QB1 down with the C-A-T-S, cats, cats, cats. <laughs> he also said that his, uh, the brown spots in the banana, he's not afraid of them. They're afraid of him. Hashtag <laughs> menace to society. Um, he said that banana tasted like banana bread. I don't think he, uh, whoever bakes banana bread in the Will Levis household does not know how to make banana bread. <laughs> Clearly. All right. Next one. The kiwi. Oh, yeah. Okay. Got to eat that people furry eat kiwi with the, with the fur on. The furry brown skin. You got to eat that. Missing nutrients. Yes. Fur should never be eaten. I don't know. <laughs> I'm fairly furry. I don't want anyone eating me. Uh, okay. I, I have seen people eat kiwis that way. So really eat the whole thing. It uh, includes vitamin E, folate, polyphenols, and it has an uh, antioxidant effect. Okay, there you go. All right, this one's going to be somewhat controversial. The orange. Oh, no. Yeah. Well, you know, you do the, the orange zest, like lemon zest. Like you can come on. Yeah, you can you do see the that? zest, but you don't eat the peel. The zest. I didn't know about the zest until the Food Network. They're always doing it on the Food Network. <laughs> the orange peel, I think, is uh, I think it's called the pith. Uh, anyway, you can. Uh, they're saying you can also cook it. You can candy it. Candy uh, is good. I gotta say, we we did that. That was one of our quarantine. Candied orange peel. Candied orange peel is pretty good. Really, that's some real East Tennessee stuff right there, man. You're bringing that. <laughs> Got to preserve yeah. stuff up in the mountains, Dan. <laughs> Got to. It's going to be a tough winter. You take that to L.A. All right. And then finally, this one. The watermelon. No. Yeah. What? <laughs> no. Yes. The watermelon. Obviously, the uh, you got the inside is great. But the thick rind not only serves the convenient handle for a juicy watermelon slice, it's also a source of additional nutrients such as Amino acid citrulline. See? Maybe if you pickle it. <laughs> uh, pickle. This story here, this is on the Today Show's website. Uh, they cite something called Watermelon Board, which is a website that represents the 800 <laughs> watermelon growers. Of course. Watermelon Board. Watermelon.org. They used to vote. Yeah, the they Harris got it all. <laughs> A&M, number one. <laughs> Uh, they do acknowledge that it's not the best, uh, easiest thing to eat, but they recommend uh, pickling it, mm. blending it into a smoothie, or or uh, used as like a, a coleslaw, <laughs> chopped up, uh, or in stir fries. I recommend uh, putting it in the composter, but <laughs> I don't know. So uh, who knows what's next? <laughs> The beauty of this podcast is I know you never know where we're going. And next thing you know, you're on the watermelon board. It's like when I found out about the, the underground toaster enthusiasts. <laughs> yeah, now we're on to big, big watermelon. The lobbying. Marissa interest. Lawrence has been using her toaster on uh, social media. Has she? Okay. Yes. She says it's very good. She, she, she's shown how to do it. You. It takes, it takes longer to program it than to actually toast the bacon. I was going to say, if you have to do a how-to video on how to use the toaster, I'm I'm just not sure I'm interested. Tebow's got plenty of time on his hand now. He can <laughs> Tebow can go over to Trevor's house and toast. Yeah. So anyway, uh, the, that ongoing saga is... Uh, so, like, 
Will Levis, he really is. He's going to be the the zero sample Heisman winner, right? We'll get to the small <laughs> sample Heisman winners once we start playing. But with no sample, he's absolutely the winner. But I just I have major problems going back to why you would eat a banana that's that old. Personally, I, like I, on the banana spectrum, I'd rather them be closer to green than brown. Dan uses the pod to sell epic athlete books. Pat uses the pod to audition for like to be a color guy on the science channel or the nature channel. So having like <laughs> banana eating hot takes is really right on uh, right on brand. This is my only thought of Will Levis is like, thank God for Will Levis, right? We've been talking about television <laughs> contracts. We've been talking about COVID. Yeah. We've been talking about whatever. You know what college football is? It's a goofball like Will, Le- Will Levis who's like <laughs> slamming a banana with a peel on. Like that's, that's actually why we do this. It is not to like yes. discuss constitutional conventions of the NCAA. <laughs> no. Like, college sports are fun. Thank you for reminding us of that. Amen. Will Levis. Exactly. He's like, yeah, I was over my girlfriend. She was going to throw out this (laughs) banana. I was like, hold on. I'm going to eat that. She's like, you're going to eat that. And he's like, I'll film it. Next thing you know, right? Yeah. He's giving us two podcasts worth of content. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Great stuff by Will Levis. Uh, All right. In other pressing and important news, uh, Alabama cornerback Jaquincy McKinstry, Jaquincy McKinstry, better known as Kool-Aid. He is officially on the roster as Kool-Aid McKinstry. And he is a, uh, as you would expect, use this nickname to land. <laughs> First of all, I don't know how he even got this hand, this Twitter handle, but it's, it's, his nickname is, is his Twitter handle is at Kool-Aid. Like what was Kool-Aid doing? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. How did he out? How did he outflank them to get there? I don't know. The but, PR guy uh, for has, Kool-Aid uh, was at Scott Frost's secret workouts, and he wasn't paying attention. <laughs> he has a an NIL deal now with uh, with Kool-Aid. So, right, this is it. Awesome. You can see that one coming from space, right? The only thing is now, like the amazing thing, I wonder how much money is tied up in Alabama players who haven't done anything yet. I mean, it doesn't mean they won't like like. Kool-Aid McKinstry is supposed to be the best cornerback recruit in the country. And he's at, he's may start as a freshman at Alabama. Uh, but like Bryce Young, the quarterback, too, who, you know, there was speculation that he could be making up to a million dollars or certainly high six figures. He didn't do any. He didn't take any meaningful snaps last year. Uh, now, there's there. there he, he's in line to and he may turn out to be awesome. But wow, there's a lot uh a lot of, of, of dollars being uh, earned on based on recruiting uh, prowess right now for guys in Tuscaloosa. Do you regret not naming Brooke Speedo, Pat? Because you could have, uh, even <laughs> once she cashed in on, on her Olympic medal, she could have uh, she could have definitely streamlined a deal. Yeah, streamlined that too. That's a good that's a good swimming pun there, Pete. Uh, yes, we're trying. Swim. We're trying. Yeah, yeah, we missed an opportunity there. Kool Aid said he got his nickname at birth from his grandmother. His grandma's said i came out smiling oh there you go that's kind of sweet so like can you cut in the kool-aid like oh yeah you know like when the guy bursts <laughs> through the wall with like double fisting the pitchers they yeah. still do that commercial Pat, yeah Pat, we're in uh, trouble I'm, I, yeah, yeah. Uh, kool-aid, kool-aid mckinstry himself did tweet oh yeah uh when he signed the deal the nil data is continually to come in from uh company influencer the average transaction value is uh, $923. So the average deal people are getting is $923. Not bad. It uh, can be as little as zero in cash value to low six figures 
53% of all transactions were reported by athletes playing sports outside of football, men's and women's basketball. So as we said, there's, there's opportunities. 34% were football players, but 47% are just, uh, are, are other. So, uh, so far has not caused Armageddon. Right. That's just which again, to peace point, it's fun to, to the other point. It's, it's ingenuity. It's college American ingenuity. And to Dan's original point in all of this is it's not going to cause the ruination of college athletics. All right, Pete, you were at uh, Ohio State the other day. Good story on Yahoo Sports. What uh, did you see from the Buckeyes uh, that makes you think they can uh, or what, whatever they're going to come up with? Yeah, well, I guess it's not a surprise that Ohio State's good, right? We've become pretty, uh, pr- pretty accustomed to that. I guess w- the the thing that struck me most uh, about this iteration of Ohio State, and I obviously I didn't go to practice there last year in the summer, but I probably maybe six out of the last eight years have gone to uh, have gone to a camp at at Ohio State, and not only quality, but the I guess the quantity of quality young talent was uh, was what struck me about uh seeing ohio state in person on uh on on monday I, you know i've been there i remember being at practice three years ago and mark pantoni their personnel guy and i were standing watching a defensive line drill and he's like see that that that's chase young he's from uh damatha he's going to be a top 10 pick someday it's like okay and that's jk dobbins over there he's going to be you know he's gonna be a really good player here he's gonna you know, be a first round pick type type guy so you you kind of i've seen that these iterations I, I always try to stand with mickey Marotti, the longtime strength coach who's one of the great uh the great characters he was urban he was at notre dame a million years ago he's with urban at uh florida then came up to ohio state he's trained easily over 100 draft picks and uh is kind of one of those like no frills uh you know, he's like old D3 full back, old, old guard weightlifting guys. And and Mickey's not one for hyperbole because he's, you know, he's trained a lot of these, a lot of these guys. And, and basically what struck him and I wrote about McCollum was just like he said, the number of guys who are ready to play for them this year are uh, are, are really strong. They have the, the two arguably the two best defensive end recruits in the country in uh, Jack Sawyer and the guy they're calling JTT, JT Tiamalolo. Um, I think I have that right. That was one of my goals was to get to pronounce him right. The big defensive end recruit from Seattle. The guy who struck me the most, a little bit of a personal tie here, was Marvin Harrison Jr. I went to college with Marvin Harrison Sr. His senior year at Syracuse was my freshman year. Here's the thing about Marvin Harrison. He's one of the great receivers in the history of the NFL. He did not scare you walking off the bus. Does that make sense? Like Marvin Harrison was like a pretty build wise was a fairly you know he was not randy moss or one of these one of these guys i mean he was five eleven, six foot you know just a regular looking nfl player and marvin harrison jr is a six foot three rocked up grown man harrison isn't even the best freshman receiver they have that's a mecca igbuka and uh it's it's getting to the point where if you are not a, a three and done caliber receiver at Ohio State, you're probably not going to play. I mean, they really that room is really humming at a at a level that's as high as any in the country. Obviously, the Alabama receiver room has been very very good. The LSU receiver room has been very very good. Um, but they've really gone they've really gone national and uh, and and just it's uh, you know Pantone called it the best class in school history. Mickey, Mickey's a little bit, he doesn't want to coronate any freshman yet, you know, so he's, he's, he was a little bit tapped the brakes on it, but there was as 
much of excitement over the quantity of quality players, guys who are going to help them now, guys who are going to be draft picks later. Uh, they got a left tackle from Houston who they who won't really start this year, but they're really excited about. I was surprised that, they, again, they're, they're, they recruit really well. They had the highest, according to rival, star ranking of anyone. I guess just seeing the quantity in the flesh. My quick take on who they will be this year, C.J. Stroud appears in line to be the starter. Nobody said that out loud yet, but he's uh, Ryan said on Monday that he separated himself from from the field and I mean the way they are conducting themselves now like I, they have a great offensive line some really good backs Travion Henderson was the other freshman who everyone there agrees is going to be special he's from he's from Virginia he's one of the top tailback recruits in the country I don't see Ohio State going away from the aggressive pass game identity that they've had under day that they had through uh Haskins in, in fields uh you know they're they're still going to be getting the ball to these receivers, even though even though Stroud isn't the caliber of quarterback as, as the last couple of guys they've had yet, right? He's he's young, and they will ease him in. The line is arguably the best in the country, so he's going to have time. But they're not going to take the foot off the gas at Ohio State. They have an offensive identity, and they're going to stick to that. Rucker at the tight end is 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 one of the five best, certainly in the uh, in the country. So defensively, there's there's some more questions. They they have a lot of talent on that D line, young talent, old talent. Zach Harrison. The secondary will be much improved, both depth wise, and uh, they, they've got some. They've just got some more guys there, and uh, some good young talent. Uh, I guess Denzel Burke, freshman from Arizona, was was a buzzy guy. So look, the Buckeyes. The Buckeyes are good, and the column I wrote was about how they're chasing Alabama. And I really think like if they are going to be in that rare air where Alabama is, this class is going to be a cornerstone of that uh, of, of that chase, this 2021 freshman class. They should have a chance to beat them. It's funny, Pete, you used the, the phrase chasing Alabama because that's literally what they were doing the last time we saw anybody play. It's like Alabama's just leaving scorch marks all over the field. Uh, and part of that was the fact that Alabama put them in matchup situations where their linebackers who were all seniors and great players, but they had to try to cover people who were so much faster than them. I'm wondering like about the, the linebacker turnover. We've got new linebackers, but they might be more athletic linebackers. How, how's that, that particular position looking? Because that's where you get, you know, you had your Pete Warner, your tough Borland, your, your Baron Browning who were really good players, but they also weren't, Uber athletes. Uh, that's why they were seniors in college because they probably would have gone to the NFL earlier if they weren't. But so, what? What? Where does that position look? Do you think for Ohio State? You know the the, the buzz guys there were uh, Tommy Eichenberg, who's a, a, a redshirt sophomore out of the Cleveland area. I believe he's the younger brother of Liam Eichenberg, the uh, the, the Notre Dame uh, lineman. Um, he was actually a flip from Boston College. They got him late. He wasn't particularly like one of these five-star buzz guys. And uh, there were a lot, lot of lot of positivity around him, and I think he'll see a lot of snaps this year. Again, I don't think he is some freakazoid who's going to be a first-round pick, but they they were really high on him. And then there's a, a sophomore named Cody Simon who, uh, who who got a bunch of snaps, who's, who's a sophomore, who they were really high on. So that position is going to look a lot different. They, they don't play a ton of linebackers. Um, they're kind of more they're, – they're more sort of a, a 4-2-5 now. Uh, Terhada Mitchell – has been a productive guy for them, but he's been a little bit inconsistent. So he'll obviously see a lot of snaps too. But that is that position will look radically different, Pat. I do think it will be athletically charged up a little bit, but I don't think it's uh, I don't think it's overwhelming. All right, we got one more uh, name, image, and likeness story here, uh, and this is the ongoing chicken wars and how they have uh, taken over college football. So we have three different 
uh, companies have signed uh, players. Bojangles has North Carolina's Sam Howell and Clemson's uh, DJ Ua Ungale. Ue. I don't think I did that right. Close enough. <laughs> Ua Ungale. I'm going to get there. And then finally, Zaxby's, uh, spunky little Zaxby's, steps up and takes JT Daniels from Georgia. So we have uh, we have all of this. Who is going to win this chicken war with these? Who, who do you like here in terms of their, uh, terms of their uh, pitchmen? Not necessarily the quality of the sandwich. Well, let me, I'm sorry. I, I was responding to a text there. So like the, the off, are off. you saying there was something else more interesting than me bringing up the chicken sandwich wars, Pat? <laughs> There's really nothing more interesting than that. Okay. However, I did have a, a somewhat pressing need to respond to that text. Okay. But does Popeyes have anybody? Do we, did we no. just slitten it out? Yeah. Step it up, Popeyes. I think you got the best <laughs> sandwich, but you got, they got the best sandwich. So they need to, I mean, they, maybe, maybe they should just sponsor a podcast. Yeah, they're getting <laughs> too much free publicity from us. They don't need some college quarterback propping their sandwiches up. We're, we might as well be a chicken podcast uh, that occasionally mentions college football. They, they know they know the free pub is coming. They clearly do. I mean, maybe, yeah, we've been too easy on Popeyes. They need to step up. They need to sponsor the pod or grab a quarterback, one or the other. But, I mean, if, a, if you're breaking it down, like, who's going to get their product to the national championship game? I mean, I... JT Daniels got a chance. I know with now Sully, we we have chronicled the receiver issues there. I still think Georgia has a very good chance to end up in the playoff and possibly winning the national championship. Obviously, Clemson has a great chance as well. You know, their their schedule may set up as well or better than Oklahoma's, but I, I think Zaxby's may have made the the value play there. Sully, who's got the best sandwich of those three? I do not know. Actually, I've not had. I've not been back to have the new Zaxby sandwich, so I really can't say on the record who has the best one. But I have. How about I off the record? Some, can you can you t- answer off the record? I, I have some reports. I have some people on the ground in Zaxby's country said that it's better than Chick Fil A and Popeyes. So oh, I've well, had it. Sources. They're wrong. They're wrong. Sully sources, sources close to the Zaxby's. breading. Yeah. <laughs> but here's the thing with Zaxby's. It's, it can be hit or miss. You can get a sandwich that's been sitting underneath the, the lamp a little too long or the fries a little too long. You know, Raising Cane's doesn't miss. That thing is fresh. It is good. Same thing with Chick-fil-A. Zaxby's needs to, to step up their game a little bit with the freshness. But it's still Is that just good. your Georgia bias coming through, Sully? Like your anti-Georgia no, bias? No, I, I, lo- I, I, I grew up in North Georgia, basically. So there's no bias there. I, I love Zaxby's. Okay. Yeah, I, you know I can't get there me? with you. I did. I tried the Zaxby's sandwich, you know, whenever it was last year or something when we were in the wallowing through the pandemic summer. And it just it didn't do it for me. I'm sorry. The most disappointing one was the McDonald's one. Just, yeah, that was a bust. Horrible. Horrible yeah. effort. Fading yeah. power. It's like Rome. <laughs> this tells me we need the season to start. We need the season to start. And so fortunately, <laughs> next week it will. And we'll it have will. We can be making games and making fun of coaches. That's that's enough. We've talked about bad bananas and <laughs> chick- I mean, come on, Kool Aid. Right. Next week we will have strident opinions on UConn Fresno. Let's do it. Let's do oh, it. We're picking so come all back the next bad week. games next week. I can't wait oh, to pick all the bad games. Every game. All wait five till I start them. calling random Conference USA secondary coaches to get like a UTEP oh, breakdown. See, now- <laughs> 
This is where Pete needs may need to be reined in when we <laughs> when, when he's going deep on Southern Utah against San Jose. We, we might need a buzzer sound for Sorry, Sully here. Sorry, Southern Utah I was talking to their assistant strength coach. Pat. You know that. <laughs> All the strength coats Pete knows, and he doesn't break the story that Nebraska's out there working out in a secret <laughs> undisclosed gym. <laughs> All right. Come back next week. Maybe we'll the show be will be better. Or maybe not. <laughs> Talk to you then.